This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 437, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboys, Pick of the Week podcast, episode 437. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and joining me as always is Paul Montgomery. Hello, the world. And sitting in for Jeff Kanata is Josh Flanagan. Um, it's not funny. <laughs> it's a little the funny. The whole show. You know, I make contributions. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we got Jeff all ready to first, go back no, here. First it was fucking Tom Caters, and no one said anything. <laughs> and then it was, I don't know who it was after that, but three is funnier than two. Too, so there was a person in the middle, and now it was Jeff Kanata. And I'm here to say, sir, no, sir, no. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for welcoming me back. We are iFanboy.com. We like comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics, just like this week, where there's a bunch of them. What One of us. Prejudiced. Picks- I'm not. What does that mean? You just. I guess you fat people. <laughs> One of us. Eats no so denial much. there, Paul. No denial. <laughs> <laughs> One of us picks the best book they read. We talk about it in the podcast along with other books that we got the topics of interest. Do, are, we, are we able to give credit for a joke that's that's three weeks old to let the so that they know that that's uh, that new listeners know you're not prejudiced against fat people? Yeah, I mean we just sound like dicks. Otherwise, we're just assuming that people we, know. You sound like one, dicks Josh. anyway. Well, you made the joke. Not a joke. I'm pointing out how you're prejudiced against fat people. Hell, before we get to the show, a quick reminder and a warning: this is a review show. So spoilers. Hey, guess what? Josh has the pick. Yeah, can only go up from here. Flash Gordon number two. Um, basically, I, I you know I I read a lot of books this week. I, I'm sure we all did. I read a lot of good books, and this was uh, one of the old the old standby when you can't think of what it is you want to do is uh, what did I sort of have the most fun with, and what uh, for me what felt the most fresh, what got me out of that that you know that stack of comics that I was reading. And at the end of the day, you know the thing that the thing that that made me the happiest I think was uh, was Flash Gordon two from Dynamite. This has to be one of my first dynamite picks ever for me. Uh, Jeff Parker writing, Doc Shaner drawing. Um, and, and what I liked about this is, is that we're just in the thing and we're, we're spending time with the characters. And, and I, I, was, I was really tickled and having fun uh, specifically by how impetuous and dumb Flash Gordon is. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's the joy really, of this book. I really like the fact that he just flits about through life uh like a certain former host he's kind of like the tick i know i never read much tick so well i didn't either i just watched the show but yeah um you know he's uh he's very capable physically he can do things like he you know in this in this issue he jumps into arena and fights a giant slug that no one else can can defeat or at least pull the the arrow from the back of uh he can do all that stuff he can fly planes or whatever vehicle you give him but he's just he's just not too sharp (laughs) <laughs> Which is fine because he he's hangs not paying out with attention because he's, he's in his own head. You know, it's right. funny if you say it like that. I can hear Patrick Warburton being this character, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it, yeah, I like this issue more than the first one, which I was curious. I did not love, but I did. I did like the first issue. I like this one much more. Yeah, I, I, I just really enjoyed the personalities and the, and the, you know, the, the of the three characters. I thought they played off each other well. The three 
protagonists um, whose whose name I can't think of. There's the Professor girl. Zarkov, Dale okay. Arden is is yeah the woman Dale Arden I remember yeah but, the old drunk and the broad yeah I I love the old drunk too I liked how he just he was not helpful either like he's just fact- looking for fuel basically yeah. too like there there's this whole thing where there's a a system on this this planet which is basically a a feeder planet for the what the beast men of Mongo. Uh, for Ming's army. And then basically, you know, when guys get to a certain age, they put them through this hellacious process and they turn into gorilla people, basically, and mindless killing machines. And the whole reason that Professor Zarkov is interested in checking out this facility is, oh, maybe we can find some fuel for the ship. And, you know, Flash is having this whole, you know, moral quandary about, well, should we help them? But that would blow our cover. And, you know, and but then they're also talking about, like, the economy of the planet. It's like mm-hmm. their only. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, and, and that you're really nailing when you sort of try to describe this and you're, you, you find yourself saying all these things that are sort of baked into this seemingly simple story because it does. You know, it's not. There's no auspices of this being some dark, troubled story. It's relatively light. But when you put it all together like that, um it really it reminds me of the best stuff of Jeff Parker's that I've read. Um, it reminds me of uh, the old Thunderbolts issues that he was doing a, a couple of years ago, yeah. where there was a lot of silliness. Like I remember, like you remember the one uh, where they were in the like Thor came to the women's prison, and there's just dumb yeah. jokes on yeah. top of yeah. other really cool, fun, smart things, and and that feels like what's happening here. There's like a lot of different things going on at the same time, uh, and it's kind of like like on the on the surface it's a little slapsticky, but also there's sort of these social concerns and 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 you know veiled within this science fiction setting uh, i like governor drawn the, the robot overseer who's constantly breaking down it's yeah, like a great that. design too and yeah. and like the you know the idea that they're they're going to take this this robot and he's going to be the thing in charge of them but they haven't put any of you know they haven't put any of the infrastructure in or the resources and they're just you take care of it as a robot and like that feels that feels like the real world to me very much um, and it, it, it you're right about the tone because it is funny and and slightly slapsticky in parts but it's also there's a there's a very horrific undertone to the yeah. story and in this this planet has been subjugated by Ming the merciless and they, you know they don't they're not allowed to have technology they're not allowed to have industry uh you know for fun they shoot these exploding fruits or whatever the flowers they were on this planet yeah. mm-hmm. on this on the trees and and you know it's not a it's not a happy life <laughs> and no. so there's that there's that undercurrent of of despair to the fun to the fun. It's a nice tone. You know, when, when he goes into the bug pit, uh, which is gross. Uh, he just, you know, he, he like you said, he figured out how to do it. And he, oh, this looks like a roly poly, and he tickles its belly. It's just so child, it's like a ten year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then and then uh, I have I haven't even mentioned it, but I I, I really have always liked uh, Evan Janer's uh, style, mm-hmm. um, and I've seen stuff he did before, but it's like he came out of the gate a man possessed on this. I mean, really. Just good-looking, wonderful character work, wonderful uh, uh, storytelling and action sequences and, and world-building and the, the giant tree ship that's being towed by huge bugs, uh, you know, and, and this sort of faux uh, retro coloring put by Jordi Belair on top of it. Uh, it's, it's just a nice package. I mean, it's, it, such a, it's such a great, you know, confluence of, of creators. Like, it's the, perfect, mm-hmm. it's the perfect match of, yep. you know, sensibilities 
Um, all three of these, you know, people working together on whatever they would do would be interesting. But Flash Gordon's such a great choice for them, and, and it is such a, it's such a, a romp, you know. It's yeah. um, it's a it's a really fun book to read. Um, and then you can you know dig a little deeper. You can you can scratch at the surface a little bit and find all these interesting, you know, sort of like the the political commentary that's going on. And uh, if you go into you know the blue guy, what the hell is his name? The um, Prince Baron. Um, if you actually, you know, l- like listen to what he's saying, um, I'm, I'd be curious to see how he proceeds after the cliffhanger in this issue because how, you know, he feels such, uh, remorse for what he's doing to his people. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, um, how much allegiance he has for Ming, uh, when you really go deep well, you down. Hardly any. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I think the point is that, like, they have to. In order to survive, he's got to do what they're telling him, but they're a subjugated people. Um, I think the thing that I really like about it is, I mean, it's all written on the page and everything, but that character's posture and facial expression all the time are perfectly projecting the odd position that he's in. Yeah. It really is a, a, a great bit of storytelling just going on with the way that he stands and his facial expressions and and you he's know, almost in like a like a Lando Calrissian situation. Here. Yeah. yeah, he had no choice. They arrived just before <laughs> they did. Um, and then and then just finally the last little artistic flourish. The thing that I think that really sells me on the on the look of this book is that there's this little bit of rosiness in Flash's cheeks, mm-hmm. which just which just makes it like that much more. Uh, charming, I guess. Like, it, there's just that that bit of it. Just makes it feel like I'm reading a comic book out of time, uh, a little bit. Um, I'm just going. I'm going through the pages here, and I'm looking at his facial expressions in the background, mm-hmm. and it's it's hilarious. It's like looking yeah. at, you know, like Chris Pratt and Parks and Rec, like just like catching some yeah. kind of stray expression in the back. I think anyone who was a fan of Daredevil, which came out this week, should read this. It's very similar oh, tonally, yeah. and also the art. Mm-hmm. You know, Doc Shaner, Evan Doc Shaner is in a very similar school to Somni. Boy, I, 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 I mean, I, like I'm, I always like this stuff, but I'm looking at this book now. I'm like, oh wow, like he's. I think he could be a he could be a big deal. Previously, well, I thought he could be a great artist that a few of us like, but probably that's what not we thought about stuff. Chris Somni too. Remember, we, yeah, we, back then we thought this guy's never going to be huge, but he's we're going to love him. But then he got huge, uh, which is great. Uh, which is, gives me hope that guys like Evan Shaner can get huge too because they're very similar. I remember yeah. years ago having this conversation with Ron, and just like, and we're you know we're saying like like you know we know the truth. Like this guy is going to be amazing, and just hopefully, you know, everyone else will will catch on to this. But um, but yeah, he's you know with this and the and the Superman book really kind of you know blown me away on, on these and I just the layouts too it's yeah. not even just you know the rendering of the characters and stuff. I mean it's the, you know the storytelling everything is. I remember like years ago being in an elevator with Chris Somney and I think I don't know if he'd done anything other than um, what was the like he'd done the Queen and Country arc and he did he, Queen and Country he had done a Vertigo Crime OGN yeah and he, and he I think he was working on um, what was that great superhero story that DC did that we liked a lot that I can't remember the name of that oh, was, oh yeah 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 uh, Alpha One or something like that it, yeah 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 um, what was that called character was Alpha One but yeah, yeah. So like- uh, and I remember being in an elevator with him I was like you draw my book? He's like, no. And I was like, oh, he knows he's going to be a big deal. That's cool. All right. I was kidding, but uh, you know, he's on the path. And dude, you know, he's got it. And I, I'm, I, see, I see that in these pages. I think this is a game changer for Shaner, mm-hmm. uh, who's, who's sort of struggled to make his way in the, uh, in the, in the art world. Uh, not among artists. I feel like artists have known it, but I think other people are going to know it now. So I think look, look out for this. The Mighty? Is that the book? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mighty? 
Mighty sounds right. Wow. This, we this loved week, that book. We did. This week, Forever Evil ended and uh, didn't really, uh, you know, Dick Grayson didn't really die, blah, blah, blah. But uh, what happened in that, in that issue was that Lex Luthor ended up saving the day, driving out the bad guys and also saving Superman's life. So in Justice League number 30, we get the tie-in slash aftermath issue of that event in which Lex Luthor is now a hero to the world because he saved the day. And we, we've always talked about Lex Luthor being interesting because at the end of the day, he's really just envious of Superman. and He wants to be Superman, but he, he, he won't because Superman is Superman. I, th- I, th- I think if, if there was a world without a Superman, um, he could be potentially a hero. Right. So here we have a situation where now he is Superman mm-hmm. because he saved the world and he, he saved Superman. So now he – so what's interesting about this, what I really enjoyed about Justice League 30, just despite the tie-in, is that now we get to sort of explore Lex as hero uh, and, and not you – know, and, and all the different layers that come along with that because the Justice League knows the, you know, who, what he's really like. And you know, he, builds a new, he builds a new watchtower and he invites them all up. <laughs> And they all go up, not, not knowing what's going on, and then he's like, "Hey!" And he's got champagne ready for him, and he's ready to be part of the Justice League because deep down inside, that's all he wants to be. And uh, none of them are having it. And they they put him in Wonder Woman's magic lasso. And he says, "I'm an egomaniac," and this, you know, all the adulation from the people feeds my uh, giant ego. So I want to keep doing this. And it's a really interesting dynamic now to have him in this position. I mean, obviously, it's not going to last, but for now. It's a nice exploration of the character and how he fits into this world. Um, the other, the other thing that happened in this issue was that he has figured out that Bruce Wayne is Batman, so now he's he's got that going for him. But uh, I like if you like Lex Luthor, it's a really interesting issue, really good. And 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 going forward, we know that he's going to be placed in the hero role at least uh, sensibly. He's going to be in the Justice League on the surface. Obviously, he won't be a good guy, but. I, I like that. I mean, I, I like that for a little while. I like to see what will happen when Justice, Lex Luthor tries to be that thing he always wanted to be, but w- will fail ultimately. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. I liked that. That's good. I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did, but I did. So there you go. Uh, I got to say, the cover to Saga 19 threw me off because she's basically in a superhero costume. Right, well, she's playing one on TV. No, I, I get that, but just like looking at the cover, like it really, like I'm, I keep looking at the cover and I'm like, wait, is that, no, that is Saga. Like it doesn't feel like a Saga cover, and which is fine. I'm just, uh, it's jarring. Which well, I'm, this is, this is a jarring like, issue. Um, it very much was. I think, uh, I think it was supposed to. You the cover and you opened it up and you freaked out. You know, I didn't, I, you know, it took me a few seconds of looking at the first image. Um, the crowning. Before I, like I had CRT to look around and, and I put things together. And I was like, oh, the, oh is that, uh, that it? Yep, butthole. There's, okay. Uh, there's blue everywhere. Um, but savvy comic readers will know that Chuck Austin and Alan Moore did this 30 years ago. So big deal. What up? Yeah, so the issue opened to the giant splash page of uh, Ro- Princess, Prince Robot the Fourth being born. Splash page is kind of an unfortunate. Is it the, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not the fourth yet. Right. The, well, I yes. guess it is because we do know the fourth is dead. I forget. Crocodile so nurse. Dies, so he's Crocodile not the nurse. Come he's on. just if he's if he's yeah no they do that in this book every once in a while what if we make that an animal okay and then make that animal look fretful can you do that um, this is an odd issue it was an odd issue but it was a jump forward in time and you had to glean everything that was going on because everything has changed in their lives um, I don't mean odd to be derogatory I didn't dislike it I, I did no. like it it's just it was an odd 
it was a little odd tonally. It was a little odd structurally. And by odd, I mean it very unusual to the series. Um, I think they, right, I think they did some really interesting storytelling. Yes. There's some, you know, in in that opening scene, you know, you have this this birth scene, and we're talking about is the prince really dead or not? Has has his, have his people given up on him? And then you close in on this mobile over um, over the baby's crib, and you zoom in their planets and moons and stuff. And this is a good opportunity for Hazel to start talking about to catch people up. You know, if this is their first issue or if they need a little reminder because we're on hiatus, that this is this you know conflict that's been going on between this planet and this moon, and then this other you know tertiary planet. And um, it, they, it's a re- it's a, just a really nice um, uh, segue sequence. And then they, they specifically she, they have her say, "You'll catch up." Which I think is the best way to describe this issue. There's a lot of meta stuff in this issue, and then also just like she's she's she that's Hazel uh, Vaughn, and he's letting you figure out what it is from context and everything. Like it's not a lot of stuff handed to you, and I like that. It's sort of storytelling on the fly, uh, or it feels that way anyway. But a um, lot of but a lot of this was hinted at or suggested in the previous issue. Mm-hmm. As to what they were going to do with their lives, and so they're, you know, they're still in hiding. And Alana has taken up this job, and it's basically this, you know, combination of, you know, like wrestling, um, you know, like uh, Mexican soap opera kind of situation, and slash cam girl slash, slash right, and 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 I think Connor, as you mentioned, there is some some meta stuff in here when we have the reaction of the guy watching, you know, sort of a VR style, like he, you know, you insert yourself into the audience. But you can do that from the comfort of your own home, and uh, and and you know having these you know jeering trolls in the audience, and and Alana can't you know can't take it. It's it's driving her nuts, and and so she breaks the fourth wall basically, and that gets her in trouble with her boss. I really like that last panel in that sequence of the dude sitting on his bed with the thing on his head. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is like it's a, a great really, cutaway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it, it's it's in the story, but the way that you know how it's set. That's really nice. It's just what, a, just a her super- boss. This is like it looks like a gargoyle. Yeah, like dressed as Master Splinter. Yeah, <laughs> that was my right. So, so lower your eyes to an enemy. Sorry. So Alana is acting in this VR soap opera. Uh, Splinter doesn't say that. So what's the guy's name? Uh, the guy, guy? in the acting yeah. scene, the husband Marco. Oh. Marco is, is Mitch. Walk- Marco's <laughs> walking around taking care of the baby with a. With an invisible man disguise, and uh, apparently they're headed for a breakup. So uh, that's crushing. But that's that's, that's, that's classic Brian Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, oh, okay, well they're together, and they just had this really sweet scene where they started to fight, and it was a good fight, like good writing of a fight. I was. It's right. If there's something through. in a Brian Vaughn book that you like, or a relationship that you enjoy, or are touched yeah. by, that relationship will be destroyed. I are one of those characters will be killed. I smiled because. I was like, I thought about the original pitch for this, you know, the original announcement when we first heard about it and those promo images and that idea of Saga and what a great name for a story, not just about a space opera, but about, you know, a family story about, you know, coming of age and you're going to hit those bumps in the road in a family story. It's not just about, you know, surviving the outside world. It's about, you know, maintaining those relationships and, you know this. It, you know they could end up be and 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 what a you know what a great what? you know commentary you know about you know the you know modern family and everything that you have. You could they could have they could be split and they could end up you know being angry at each other or could they it could be a mutual thing. 
And that would be very well, interesting I mean, like, to see. All of, the, all of the fibers of your being want you to be like, oh, this, this is a couple against the odds. You're like, oh, well, this, the story should show how they make it. And, and then, you know, as a storyteller, his job is to recognize those things. And, and have somebody get shot by a sniper. And, and, and take, it away from, take away from you what you want or what you think you want. Um, and make that hard. He's very good at that. Always has been. Uh, you know, and also like Brian Vaughn is still the master of the single single issue, as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. Nobody else even even comes close to him on that. So uh, it was a good issue. It was really interesting. It gives us a lot to sort of toy with. And I don't think it's been gone. It's been gone for a while, right? This is the first yeah, one. Yeah, there, there was a hiatus. Yeah, so. and and since it's not in the rundown, and you mentioned Daredevil earlier, um, there's a there's a nice call out to Saga yeah. in Daredevil where he, yes. where he mentions Lion Cat. When he's uh, interrogating a criminal. As uh, Matt Murdock reads indie comics. Yeah. (laughs) So I know last time it came out, we spent a lot of time gushing about the mercenary series. Yeah, what's that doing back? This is number four. And I just, I wanted to talk about it again because I was struck with this in this issue about how great and classic the storytelling is. And I don't know if we got so much into specifics last time as we just yelled at each other about how awesome the book was. But (laughs) it was um, good. I know. I like the escalating. Uh, tension and the escalating danger in this in this particular issue, even you know, this is a very old school adventure story. They I like 1930s Terra Chase. This this team hmm. is rescuing a spy, 1930s Terra Chase. So they're on this island and they then they, they can't escape because the the Chinese army's blocked their escape. So they have to flee with these villagers, but they can't flee with the villagers because the villagers' women have been taken. So they have to go and help the village. They, every time they think they've found what they're looking for, they get veered off to another direction. It's sort of classic escalating, you know, uh, danger and, and action in a story. And it's great. It's sort yeah, of like out of the, the frying uh, pan into the fire. And it's, and it's like Flash Gordon in that way. Yeah, um, maybe think of actually in a Temple of Doom in that, uh, you know, Indy lands and it's got to help the villagers before he can you know, help him. And this is sort of the similar. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you will go to Pankot Palace. I don't want it. You will go. <laughs> the only person to tell him to uh, tell him off. Um, so uh, I just loved that. I love that the, the construction of this particular issue. Like there was like you know they they bump, bumped up three missions in this issue basically. Yeah. And uh, you know all the stuff we yelled about last time was is you know present again. This issue it just looks it, well. It's and it, but it's 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 cool in totally different ways. Like last last time it was this big you know submarine battle, and now it's you know now it's on land and guerrilla fighters and. What a what a fascinating uh, uh, set, I guess, that they're in. That this this time and place in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so much going on that's that's really interesting, and they're all, you know, for, for the most part, foreign alien players that people don't know much about, and 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 it's a, a bit of history that I don't think people know very well. And there's just a ton there to play with, and they're they're using all of it. It's cool. I always love, like good. I I always I always love that trope of you know. Um, my enemy's enemy is my friend, you know, so you have, you have this, this warlord basically that they run into. And if it were another time, another place, you know, they would be at each other's throats, but now we're allies because, you know, Japan's got planes coming down at us. And so we're going to work together and, uh, it ends with a great rallying moment. We're going to go save these women and, uh, we've got some new allies and, uh, it's pretty cool. And it can be a bit, uh, look at us old fashioned, but I do like at least so far that it's, a throwback in that you've got this team of protagonists and they have an adventure and you know the people around them may get hurt and killed but the, the team you know survives the mission to get to the next one and it feels kind of classic in that sense like a like an a-team story or something or like the great escape or something yeah like you yeah. know you know like the main characters aren't going to die necessarily but 
I, I am completely could be completely wrong in the next issue, but I think up till now it just feels like that. You know, the villagers get shot around them or their guy gets killed, but you know, I don't want to see any of these people die. I want to mm. follow them for more adventures. Mm. So. Now, uh, last week I wasn't here, so I missed the chance to you talk weren't? about. No, it's true. Uh, I missed the chance to talk about this Superman doomed story, um, which was continued this week uh, in Batman Superman. And I think that was the only one. Superman wasn't out this week, right? So that's the next part. No, it's just one part this week. And uh, I've, I've really, I've been enjoying it. And and I, yeah, cool. I I really I liked this. Uh, like I'm 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 actually I got to the end of this crossover event, uh, which is not a thing that's historically my favorite. And I thought, all right, what's what's the next part in? Let's do it. Now we've been lucky because they've been through the books that are good. I thought and, we'd read. Yeah. Yeah, and next it's going to be in Superman. Which I'll read it. Yeah, no, I'm going to read it, but uh, you know, it's it's been sort of interesting and cool, and it's a good premise. Um, and and I really the only complaint I have with this issue at all uh is the stupid crypto, but I think we've been through that. Yeah, we've been through. So uh, you know, and it, but it also like it 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 brought in stuff that we've already read about, like in the in the other issues of this. Like there's mm-hmm. they they've been building to a thing, you know, with Mongol shows up and all these other characters who I kind of forgot about. You know the Ghost Soldier and and yeah. and all that stuff. I I really dug it. Um, I dig Ghost Soldier. Ghost Soldier. He's I I dig that name. It's kind of a cool idea. What's what's co- what I thought was kind of cool about this was that you know it's a it's a Doomsday story, and you know you know in advance of this I was like uh, Doomsday, and mm-hmm. I thought it was gonna be you know super nineties, and like this is a chance to you know a lot you know a lot of creators you know came up in the 90s and enjoyed that stuff and even if you know we've moved on from that you know it's always fun every once in a while to to look back at some of that stuff and just be extreme and (laughs) what's cool about this is that he goes further back than the 90s this you know with the what's it the phantom king like all the stuff in the Phantom Zone felt very like I don't know I, Silver Agey to I, me. I really like the Phantom Zone stuff. I feel like it's a yeah. thing that gets talked about a lot. I haven't spent any time there in a while, and I liked their description of it. I liked how it wasn't how it was supposed to be. I liked the um, rendition of the crack. You know, of them like they're trying to hold it together yeah. and, and put it. I just really like like Pac is one of those guys who's got he's got a, he's got imagination to spare sort of in the in the vein of of Mark Wade or or even Jeff Parker like they really wrap their minds around these big concepts that work in these superhero books uh very well and sometimes it can feel tedious but when it sort of comes together in the right way um it's really neat it's such uh, a it's such a great trajectory for this issue and a great structure um you know we're looking for superman we know superman's in trouble we're his friends we want to help him we're going to go into the Phantom Zone. Batman puts a foot in. It's very cold. It's very uncomfortable. But then he remembers, you know, it's Clark. I got to help him. So he mm-hmm. goes through. Wonder Woman goes through. And no, Steel, you got to wait outside. And, you know, if anything bad happens, you got to shut. The- it's it's such a like, a, I don't know. Again? It's Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's such a, well, it's a thankless role. But that's such a, you know, like a an action movie trope. Yeah. You know, you got to have somebody outside the portal to make sure that if anything happens, you know, if I don't come out of here in, you know, an hour, you got to shut everything down. But but no, but you know. Yeah. They don't like droids in this bar. Yo droids, they'll have to wait outside. <laughs> Bring back to us the stones. All right. Another Mark Miller book <laughs> this week. MPH number 1. Moof. I had a really interesting conversation um with uh with a comic store proprietor recently about Mark Miller and and he he brought up the point he said or like I was like what's going on with Mark Miller it's like he goes it's like he grew up 
<laughs> and and so while, writing, his writing is a lot more thoughtful than than it has been in a while. It really, I mean, like I had written the man off entirely, and and I, I never, I would have never suggested that he didn't have talent. It was never. The I case. don't see. I don't agree with your your mysterious retailer friend here because he wrote stuff like this a while ago. Yeah, it's just well, okay. that he found he found a very rich vein. Yes, that had a lot of dollars in it, and he's. He mined that vein for many years. Well, it seemed like he didn't want to do this anymore. And and well, no, I, it, you know, he made the comics he was writing made a lot of money. I, so I understand that, there. but they still they weren't for me, I suppose. But the point is, uh, one after another, uh, he has been coming back with new books. Now, MPH uh, is a superpower story um, about a drug that gives you super speed. It's kind of interesting. This isn't my favorite of the books, but I was st- I still enjoyed it. Uh, I thought and uh, Duncan Fagredo. I guess the other half of what I wanted to talk about this is that Duncan Fergredo is a guy who has been around for a very long time. You, you can see his work uh, over in the Hellboy books recently and, and a long ago, Jay and Silent Bob comic book. But there's other stuff that he's done. Like He's a great, great artist, and I feel like he's not well-known enough for what he is. I feel like he's one of those guys who's, who's, who should be sort of considered a master now, and, and he doesn't do really big stuff. And uh, See, I didn't, I didn't like it in this book. I didn't like the art. That was the oh, yeah? I didn't like. I mean, he's a good artist, clearly, but I just didn't like. You know, it. when it clicked it. for me and what worked well, I thought um, was uh, so. Basically, uh, there's this guy, and he, and he he means well, and he's got he's kind of dumb, and he's got his vision board, and he wants to really be somebody, but he's also working for a drug dealer, and because he's dumb, he gets pinched for it, uh, and he goes to he goes to prison. But you know, he's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna work this out. Everything's gonna be okay. Uh, things start to go wrong as they do in prison. Anyway, he ends up uh, taking this uh, drug that makes him super fast. Basically, that's that's sort of what happened. But uh, what I was going to say is the thing artistically that I really liked is that when he takes the pill, um, sort of time stops all around him because he slow everything slows down because he speeds up so much. And I really enjoyed how it was drawn because um, basically you've got this one character who is not static, but everything else is moving so slow that it may as well be static. Now, if you think about what a comic book page normally is, it's all static all the time, but he really managed to find ways to communicate what was happening there. And obviously you need the dialogue to show which, you know, that he's moving and what it is. I thought, I really thought it was really, uh, well told. You're right. uh, That's a, that's a really abstract idea. That's it like, is. how do you, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's hard it, to describe, like, it literally plays what he against, did. It plays against how a comic book page normally works, which is to show things statically that are supposed to depict action. Like, if you were ever to write a comic book script, you can't say he is, you know, he is doing this. He's in the middle of an action, you know, because right. they can't ever be doing anything. They can only be doing one thing. You can't, there's, you can't show any kind of transition. He's other than, showing like, what's, what would normally happen in the gutters. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, and it worked like it was complete. I was not confused. It was completely communicated. And also, uh, this is a concept, uh, the super speed concept where you reverse it instead of showing the fast thing blurry, you show the, you see everything from the fat. I, I, I love this concept. Like I, I always, always, always find it fascinating to see what it is you would see through Barry Allen's eyes. Mm-hmm. See, I, I, I wrote an article about this a long time when I fanboy, a long time ago when I fanboy about the depiction of super speed. And it always bugs me. And this is the way that this kind of portrayal bugs me because there's, you know, there's multiple ways. Like how would super speed work? Do you process information quicker? Uh, while you're moving fast, so you, you, you know you're still moving quickly, or is it like this where everything else has slowed to a stop and you're walking around as normal? 
which is fine, except if you're a speedster running from New York to LA, but you're walking as running as normal, mm-hmm. to your perception, you're running for four months. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't really work. And you're you know you're hungry, you're tired, you're gonna. The so way it's that like it doesn't really work for me. The, mm-hmm. the idea of speed as the world slows down, great, but it's great for me running across the room or running down the street. But well, the way I, I run from here to it. San Francisco, it's going to take me a month. The way that I always looked at it would be. Through say Barry Island's eyes, this is not it's not a he's not a superhero. He seems to be a super criminal. There's a whole backstory going on. This is just sort of the teaser part. Uh, but the way I always look at it is that along with the power comes a sort of uh, responsibility. No, non <laughs> non fixed temporal uh, sensation. Like the way that he, the way that he experiences time does not be the same as ours. Like that's sort of part and parcel of having that right. power. And that's how you explain it away. It's like. It's it's like Back to the Future. This kind of conversation is almost the exact same thing. It's very related to having time travel conversations because when you start well, to pull those threads, like they you always can talk say, about how you experience things when you're really hopped up on adrenaline. Yeah, that time your perception of time does change. So it's yeah. possible. It just seems to me perception this, was totally. This the word is a way of for. problematic because of that. But you know, that's in my. This is the geekiest thing we've had conversation we've had. Well, in, you know what? But that's the thing, like. Every once in a while, it's fun to do that. And yeah. this one doesn't have to be, you know, you can, you can say, well, I don't like that what happens in The Flash. But this is some other little story that somebody's telling, and it, it's interesting to me. And it really is, I, I think it's like Back to the Future, where if you try to work out the math of the time travel, then it falls apart, and they say, never do that for that movie. Right. You know, just let it be. And I think time travel, time travel works that way. Superman's super strength works that way. Are we, you we, saying that the Back to the Future doesn't stand up to scrutiny in terms of its time travel storylines? I, I, I believe I could go that far as to say that. Heavy, uh, man. Heavy. Why do you keep saying that? Connor, if you were to want to buy a time machine, where would you go? I whoa, liked it. Whoa! Are you saying they have time machines on Amazon? Might have Apple-branded time machines, maybe? I don't know. Well, you could go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you find the Amazon portal, which helps us take a little piece of the action, pay for the website, pay for the server costs, and all those things. And um, if they have a time machine there, you could certainly buy it. I'm not, I don't know if they do. Paul says they do. Maybe in the marketplace. Uh, I don't know. What I would say, if you're a fan of good comics, is to buy the JSA Omnibus Volume 1, which I purchased this week from Amazon. It is only slightly smaller than the Amazing Spider-Man Omnibus. Wow. And uh, it's like quite a value one? for your dollar. It's, it's, it collects the 1999 first series, Jeff Johns, James Robinson, David Goyer, written. And uh, Volume 2 will collect the remainder of the series, and I only can assume there'll be a Volume 3 with, with the new series. But... Uh, Great, great old stuff. I'm going to wait until that one. I was looking through it, and uh, the first issue is drawn by Michael Lark, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, But uh, this was a great series. I loved this JSA series back in the day. This was the formation of that uh, new team with the new Sandman. Sandman. And it it had the the girl. uh, Black Canary. Black Canary was on the team, but it had... uh, It was a weird costume, Black Canary. Star... Star Girl? Star Girl, yes. Sorry, I'm looking late. And then also on the cover is uh, Jack Knight from Starman. So it's a great series if you're looking to recapture that glory from the, the early 2000s. That was uh, one of the better series coming out. So the JSA, Omnibus Volume 1 is my rec- recommendation uh, for great comics on Amazon. Also, ifm.com slash registration. That's where you can help us out directly. $3 a month or $30 a year that you can become a member and help us out. Keep everything going. Keep the lights on. Keep Josh in booze. You may not have known this, but the uh, second kid has driven a merit to the whiskey bottle, just like a stereotype. It's not. I just need. I just, just need. Just quiet. 
I just need a little quiet. I just, I just need a little help. I just <laughs> so, need I just need a friend. So he'll help us out by going to ifm.com slash Amazon or ifm.com slash If you type in time machine. And there's get, one in there. You get a lot of you get a lot of books and movies yeah. uh, that are based on H.G. Wells. Like sure. the like the forgotten uh Simon Wells uh time machine film, uh, for example. Uh with um, Guy with Pierce? Guy Pierce, right. yep, and his amazing cheekbones. Also you can get yourself a uh a backup device for your Apple computer. You, you can get that. Perfect. Basically, it's just Hot Tub Time Machine. Excellent film. Uh, let's see. A movie called Time After Time. What Basically, about? you can get depictions of it, um, but not necessarily a device. No cosmic treadmills? No, there doesn't seem to be anything that will actually let you manipulate your place in the uh, continuum. You should get one of my favorite time travel movies, Frequency. Yes. With Dennis Quaid and Jesus. Yes. Really good movie. Jesus is in that? Yep. Jim yeah. Caviezel. Oh, sorry. It's two weeks in a row on that reference. <laughs> I think we can keep it going. Josh. How is, how is Invincible 111? 111111. Um, I feel like we've done a couple of, uh, of uh, epoch changes in this book recently. Mm-hmm. Um, although I can effectively say that this one said, what if we take some of the things that we do over in The Walking Dead limb removal and we do it to characters who you know and love here who you're not expecting to have limbs removed? Um. Yeah, a leg is torn off of one of the main characters. How do you feel about that? Well, we've had we've had that kind of. I really don't. Th- I, I you know, I really don't think you're going to be expecting the person who got their <laughs> leg torn off here, especially in the state of that person. Okay. Um. Uh. One of the what I'm saying is you had a main character get their face punched, in like their head punched. I, I, their I face really, exploded. I really, I don't think he did a thing in Walking Dead once that was like this. Mm-hmm. Um. It's, it's the best I can do with this. Uh, 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 it, it, al- it, al- it does almost feel like too much. Like it doesn't it, – it's interesting because this used to be the book that we would say like if you really like what's happening in Ultimate Spider-Man, you like that kind of superhero story, that's what this book is. And this book is not that any longer. And it's not necessarily a bad thing but it's definitely changed. Uh, one of the main characters is now uh, officially like the bad guy uh, mm-hmm. who was not a bad guy before. Um, you know, if you're if you're talking about throwing in a character way way over his head again and again, uh, they've certainly done that to Mark. Uh, they've definitely uh, sort of keep uh, upping the stakes. Another main character died. Um, it's definitely a change. There's there's a, a thing going on. So uh, it was interesting. I don't. I can tell you if I really like it was well done and everything. I don't know if it's exactly my favorite thing now. Mm. Um, very action packed. This it's got to. It really has got to be a quite violent book. Just yes. in general, and it started very, you know, violently. Yeah, I know, but it, they've like, always it, been sort of like Capri Sun pouches filled with plasma, just yeah, pounded on. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. Um, so I don't know. I I really, I'm not sure if this book has gone off the rails or if this is just where the rails went, like like the Harry Potter stories. You know, like it's it's just going to keep getting worse. <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. not worse in a in a quality way, but just in the sort of in a violent how, way. How bad it gets for everybody. Anyway, uh, that's my thought. I wanted to call out X-Men 14 and Uncanny X-Men 21 this week for really top-notch art. Um, Uncanny X-Men featured Chris Bocciolo, and there's a couple of really stunning sequences in there, as there usually are with him. But X-Men 14, which up till now this series has had more of a, I don't want to say cartoony style, but it had the, the um, a bit more exaggerated style of the, uh, the that's that, that husband and wife team, um, artist team. 
Anyway, this was drawn by Clay Mann, who was a bit more grounded, uh, Michael Lark esque style, and I liked. I really, really liked the way this book looked. I actually didn't want it to end because I was so so enjoying uh, the way it looked. So check out X Men fourteen, Uncanny X Men twenty one for some really great art this week. Cool. Uh, you may have. Rem- I'm checking back in on the unwritten uh, book, which is which was stopped and then started again as Unwritten Apocalypse, and it's the fifth issue that came out this week. Um, I think a fan favorite, one of my favorite sort of characters who keeps popping up is Mister Bun, who is the very angry bunny character. Everybody loves Mister Bun. Everybody loves Mister Bun. Um, and you basically are spending some time with him and getting to know him uh, as he's a murderer, and there's uh, just some really interesting storylines to go. There's it was a good. It, it was it was it was a good issue, and I feel like I'm sort of back on track with it now, um, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that it's still a thing. I, I really thought it was wrapping up and it was going to be over at a certain point, but now it feels like they've extended the runway for it. And and like I think like this week there were three Vertigo series that I read that came out, and I was like, okay, that's this is a little more like things used to be, you know, like they were long running stuff. So that was nice. That felt good a little bit. So a couple quick things about Thor, God of Thunder, number 22. Continues to be a really great book. I think we mentioned, like, I th- did all three of us choose it as like yep. our Marvel yep. book that we would, if we yep. could only buy one? Yeah. Um, the Minotaur thing continues to be completely crazy and and over the top, and I love it. He has a Minotaur, you know, tr- you know license plate, and <laughs> that's pretty great. Um, but, the, you know, the big thing, you know, other than the Thor girls, which are awesome, uh, they should get their own, like, limited series or something. Uh, or a one shot. Um, no all, chance that'll happen. All Black the Necrosword is back. Yeah. From one of the great modern Thor stories, The God Butcher. Um, Old King Thor goes into a black hole to retrieve Gore's sort of, it's sort of like a symbiote that he had. It was like this mm-hmm. hate armor that worked kind of like, you know, like Venom basically, but it's, it's, it's all down to the sword. And this is his last ditch effort to, to get back at Galactus, who is just laying waste to the Earth. Uh, I thought this was another, I mean, talk about the uh, great art this week. This was another beautifully looking issue, especially the Minotaur and his troll buddies. The trolls are great. The trolls trolls are are so Frazetta. They're so good. Yeah. And also, I I enjoyed Thor's uh, disguise, which was basically a Doctor Doom cloak. Yeah. (laughs) No one will notice me just like this. Apparently, this this shall work. I think whenever, whenever they do the flying car thing, the shield flying car, it tends to look awkward, but Ribic managed to make it look kind of dope. I thought. I, he should just draw more trolls into the book. The trolls look pretty pretty awesome. Pretty you were going to say dope a second time, weren't you? Pretty dope. Pretty fly. Trolls are dope, man. Pretty, what do you want? They're dope. Sweet pretty dope. rad. Uh, BBRD Hell on Earth 119. Uh, this, I think it wraps up this storyline uh, drawn by James uh, Aaron. Really is one of my favorite artists working today. Is a guy that that uh, just can draw chaos and monsters um, as they go into the, this BPRD team goes into to Manhattan, which is just completely right, way worse than in DMZ. I mean, it's in bad shape. Um, and there was this sort of huge drag knockdown, drag out fight uh, between uh, Liz Sherman, uh, who once again was impetuous and burned a lot of things, and, and found out that it probably wasn't the best way to go. Um, and and I think it's the Black Flame who's sort of been this character that's been in there all along. I don't this. I, I gotta say I, I I admire their stick to itiveness. Uh, like the world just keeps keep getting worse and worse and worse. Whereas before it was a little like a Ghostbusters thing, yes. where like there were these people and they went and they took care of things and everybody around you was normal. Like 
the world just really it is hell on earth like it's all gone to hell and you just go wonder you wonder well where are they going to go with this like they can just it can, it, like it doesn't seem to be any any reason to keep doing it uh anyways i was a it was a at times the middle of this mini series felt a bit uh aimless uh, and I, I think I liked the ending. I thought it was good. I, was yeah, I need I to get it. caught up on all of this because I got, I lost track at some point when I felt it was meandering, but mm-hmm. I miss reading BPRD so much. So, and that's the thing, like I, I, they're really interested and they keep, one thing they've done all along is they keep adding interesting characters and, and because of the nature of superhero comics elsewhere, when a new character shows up, you kind of think, oh, they'll be around for three issues and, and then we'll, we won't see them again. But in this, like, they're there. That Russian guy, Joseph, or Yosef, right. uh, it's spelled with an I, you know, like, he's, he's part of this now. Like, it, it's, it's not, it wasn't a guest appearance. It was he's, he's joined the story. Or, or this girl, Phoenix, who can predict the future and has a Rottweiler. Um, it's, a, it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's, you know, they have it down. Who's the uh, who's the Nazi guy with the clockwork sort of innards and the and the creepy face? Oh, from the movie. Hitler? Yeah. Hitler. Well, no, in the movies and the comic books. I can't think of his name, but he's been in like the Hellboy since the very beginning. He showed up right at the end of this, uh, and he's just he's just menacing. It's really really interesting. Damn, he's got boring. a he's got a head in a jar. I can't, he doesn't talk. He looked really good in the movie. He just he looked just like the comic book character in the movie, and he's creepy. And when they stab him, sand comes out. Right, yeah. What the hell's that guy's name? Keep Sandy. Talking, I'll look it up. It's, the story is like 18 years old now, so I can be forgiven. <laughs> this is not a good week for our memories. Uh, my, Cronin? Listen, yeah, I think that's right. Cronin. Listen, either way, my memory's never coming back. <laughs> so get, if, you don't, if, you, if you've been watching the show, you go, boy, I really don't like how he can't think of words. That, like, this, is, this is how it is now. And if you think you don't like it, you can imagine how I feel. Those are the books that we wanted to talk about. Go to fmboy.com slash comics to talk about those books, talk about other books that came out this week, talk about anything you want over the comments section of this show. In which Josh says, you know what? Go screw. Go screw. Let's do an audience question. In fact, Jason writes and says, you ever feel a sense of, for lack of a better, better term, obligation to support indie books in issue format? Every week at my shop, I find myself thinking long and hard, maybe just a few hours or so. If I should pick up that new image number one, it looks promising. I wait for the trade. For instance, I loved Scalped, but read it in trades and wanted to do the same for Southern Bastards. Now I know I'm not single-handedly supporting the whole industry, but for creator-owned work books, I know every sale counts and ensures that I'll eventually get the trade that I want. You know, this. I thought this question was interesting because I think we're seeing a bit of a paradigm shift in the world of what we consider indie comics. Because we don't mm-hmm. call them indie comics anymore. We call them creator-owned comics. That's true. So that's mm-hmm. very different. Yes. So, whereas, you know, in, in the past, I would have said, yeah, you should probably. Like, I don't think that these books done by very big-name creators at Image, for example, are in much danger. Uh, well, some are. I mean, some always... are. But for the most part, I don't feel like you necessarily have that responsibility to feel like you were the one carrying them. Maybe some of the smaller ones, yes. But, you know, if you don't feel like buying Starlight and Issues, I'm thinking you're going to be okay waiting for the trades. Southern mm-hmm. Bastards, I think, I think you know. Like, it, it, just, it just clued me into the fact that things are different than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, now, at the same time, if you want to, it's oddly enough, if you go over to Vertigo and you take a book like uh, the, the Royals Masters of War, which you've been talking about for a long time, really, I think those issues count. Well, it's a mini. It's always going to come yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. I always I forget that that's what it, I would just I want it to be more than that. So I keep forgetting. But a book like that, you know, something 
something that's sort of less well known, more under the radar. But like a lot of the like those image books, they're like big hits. They're big hits in terms of you know big two numbers, really. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas at this point, like something like BPRD, maybe maybe that does make more sense to buy issues because those numbers are kind of scary. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I'm making this up. I, I think I don't think anyone should have any responsibility to knew, like, pop a business up. You're a you're a, you're a, I guess you're are you a libertarian in comic book sense? You're like no, one, no one has any, no one has any responsibility to make sure a business survives other than the business people who run the, well, people I, run the business. But I think that the responsibility in a comic book reader comes from the idea that they want the thing to continue and what is the sure, best tactic. But for them there's to- also an institutional pressure that's put on the consumer in the comic industry that I don't see anywhere else. You're I'm right. sure it exists, but I don't see it anywhere else in my life. That blames the customer for everything. It's and a really never good the business point. people. I don't get blamed for buying my jeans in a store rather than in some another store. I, well, you know that's not true actually. I mean, like, I don't. No one. I don't get blamed no, by the no, people who run no, the store. Jeans. That's by, fine. But like, like it happens in in smaller subcultures. I know that. Like, if you were to look in, uh, like, like in the bike subculture, uh, there's a big push towards just like in comics. You know, making sure you. People want you to buy stuff from your local bike store as opposed to Amazon or, or another discount retailer um, because it, the margins are small and the culture is small. So that, that exists in a certain way. In that way, there's that, there's that guilt aspect of buying things. You're not just searching for the best price or whatever. Um, but that more has a little to do with sort of local economies and keeping things going like that. Just like comic shops versus digital, same sort of deal. But in, in terms of content, I think that it's a good point. And I never liked that. I don't like guilt as a, as a way to buy something. But... It's reasonable if you think you like something that not a lot of other people are liking. You can, you can consider the best way for you to keep that going, I guess. Um, for however, us, for us, go okay, good. Well, I was gonna no, say, no. I was gonna say, for us, I think in, in ter- more in terms of what we can talk about. Um, you know what? What do you? You know, you have an opportunity. Yes, you know, Thor is probably not hurting for anything. Um, but we love it that much. But then there are other things like I mentioned last week. I'm going to continue talking about Stray Bullets Killers for as long as I enjoy it because I don't think it's it's getting yeah. quite the attention that it deserves. That, that, and that's a good example of a book that eventually it's going to have to make enough money or they're not going to be able to keep doing it because um, mm-hmm. that's the only thing that he's working on. He's writing, he's drawing it. I mean, he may be doing other things, but in order to keep it, you've got to or, – or, you know, a really good example. This is actually interesting. Um, Terry Moore who we who's like the last he's he's like the last of the indies. Yeah. He's not yeah. you know when you think about the the 90s and the early 2000s there were all these really big indie real indie success stories meaning they did everything themselves from Bone, uh, printing to shipping Bone, Cerebus, uh Strangers in Paradise. There there are other examples. Um but everybody, you know, Jeff Smith is is he's out. He's not doing that anymore. Dave Sim is out. Terry Moore is is continuing to work through the same structure that he worked in when when it was a different world and you can if you look read his stuff on Twitter like it's not working the same way it's really hard and he it's a different world and he doesn't yeah. he hasn't adapted to that world mm-hmm. and he's having a hard time yeah he's, you know he's living in a world where most people most of the audience for indie books or creator owned books however you want to call them are trade readers. Mm-hmm. Um, still, yeah. they still, there's still, and there's an increased issue number, but most of those people are trade readers, especially his audience, which was, yeah. which was, you know, raised on those collections of Strangers in Paradise, and now everyone's waiting for Rachel Rising. I read Rachel Rising in trades. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, and, the, I, and I, like the fact is, I don't, and I mean, this goes to what the, the question's asking. You shouldn't feel bad about that. No, you're choosing to consume it now. Now, is it possible that if everybody did that, then you wouldn't get any more trades? Yes, that could be a possible effect of that. Um, but like I was thinking about like why doesn't why doesn't Terry Moore just go to Image? 
where he's got an infrastructure, he doesn't have to worry about that stuff. But he's he was brought up in in in, in what was a different time. We don't have that anymore. And I think the other thing that comes out of that is that if I was to ask either of you right now to tell me an indie comic book series, true indie, somebody doing it on their own, something super small press, self published, yeah, or even or even like small press, like like a series. Can you name one that I read or that anybody is talking about? Cobra. Oh. Cobra? Copra. Copra. Yeah. What's that? Michael Fife. He's the guy who's doing the ultimate book. Or it's mm-hmm. like the Oh right. And um he's doing this book and it, he sells it. It's like an Etsy store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's that's and not super, okay. But but <laughs> no, but no, no I'm, what I'm saying is that's not what Josh was talking about in terms of when Strange in Paradise came out, that was a that was a book the industry talked about or Bone, you know, Copra. I know because I know because of a couple of people in that. In you're talking. Circle. Oh, you're talking about popular. I thought you just meant well, like a that, notable. Like can, no, they, that they can actually survive. There's good things all over the place that, that people don't know about, and that's fine. But like a real series that's a regular thing that that people somebody's doing their own. Like it's it doesn't exist in the same way. Like people like things like that get kickstarted now. They get paid right. for ahead of time. It, there's not that F that Jeff Smith, Terry Moore. Uh, you know, ethic because there's not an audit, there's not a, a market for it. And that's a huge change. Um, it's really, you know, now there are like anything like that is going to be something like a webcomic, um, which is, which is super interesting to me uh, that, that we've seen such a big shift in the last decade. But there's yeah. no series like that. Anything like that, anything like that that has a hope of surviving is pretty much going to take it to image. Maybe Oni. Or Kickstarter. Yeah, and Kickstarter though they're not going to mostly end up doing uh, issues. I mean, they kind of I guess Comics Tribe is close to that, but they they prefund everything through Kickstarter for the most yeah. part. It's a different, uh, it's a different environment business. It is, and, and Private Eye is like a completely unique beast too. Exactly. So the, I mean, that's what you're seeing is different people sort of poking. Like it's almost like everybody's collectively given up on doing independent direct market issues. And black and white too. Yeah, you talk about Cerberus and Strange in Paradise and Bone; those are all black and white comics. Yeah, I think digital has changed that. Whereas people like they don't need to be black and white because they don't necessarily yeah. have to print them. And if they do print them, then they can raise the funds to do it later. People won't, won't buy them either. Yeah, and which is yeah. sad because they're, they're, I remember being in a comic shop and a kid saying, "You know, where's the color version of you know The Walking Dead or whatever?" And and then they always, did it. You always hear you know Gabe Hardman talking about you know I wish there was that black and white wasn't such a niche thing. That there should be as much of that as there is color because there's. I wish they would let Gabe. I wish all of Gabe's stuff could be in black and white. I would be like at least have the option. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, or even you know, even like Chris Somney. Chris Somney stuff is. Josh, some some, some companies should allow you to swipe the page and remove the color and remove the word balloons and see the pencil art. Yeah, some some it? enterprising digital company should do that. <laughs> anyway, we got another audience question. <laughs> Quick one. We have a bonus one. Steve from Maryland. This is for Josh, basically, but we can all chime in. What's the verdict on the new three-minute trailer for NBC's Constantine? Now, now pa- Paul and I discussed this with, with our good, good close friend Jeff last week. I miss Jeff. Um, and uh, <laughs> so this is mostly for Josh. to describe. Just a to really tell. great guy. Josh, who is a big Hellblazer fan, as everyone who listens to the show knows. Uh, what is your take on the Constantine trailer, which you did not watch until just about 48 hours ago? Yeah, I was on a business trip uh, last week, so I kind of didn't have a, a chance. And I and and then I I was like, all right, I got to watch that. I think somebody sort of like linked it, and, was, and I had like the right moment. Um, 
because I'm not terribly looking forward to it, I guess, in a larger sense. I did, however, on the plane, read a crapload of Garth Ennis Hellblazer, and it was still awesome. Now, I hadn't even gotten to the Steve Dillon stuff. Anyway, um, I thought it was really interesting. And I, I tend to not watch any of these TV shows, but I thought it was fair, much more spot on than I thought it was going to be. Paul, you said something about him looking like a cosplayer. Mm-hmm. And I think when I looked at like how perfect his tie was yes. compared to like a drawing of it, I think that's a very apt description. Um, and then I had pointed out that his coat wasn't long enough. And at some yeah. point during the trailer, they pull back and it's like just past his hips. Which is weird. And before anybody anybody writes in, I have nothing against cosplay. I'm just saying there's a you know it doesn't it, it doesn't, doesn't look like a guy like, in a costume doesn't look, and a guy wearing right. clothes. It, it yeah. doesn't feel authentic. It feels like it feels like it feels like uh, play acting. Right. I suppose. I thought it was really Off interesting that his accent wasn't was I think it was a Liverpool accent to a certain extent. It was not a, like a London accent. It was not. It was definitely a more regional accent and if you're british you're, you're going to know more specifically but my, my, my pal jay who uh, lives in scotland is yeah. from northern england um said it sounded a bit welsh to him <laughs> yeah i mean it wasn't like straight up liverpool but it was definitely a bit of a regional thing which is interesting because uh you know he's supposed to have a scouse accent he's not right. you know uh sound more like a beetle than like jason statham basically i guess is the point point. and in my head i always hear jason Man, statham. how awesome would jason statham be as john constantine I don't know. What do you? Um, well, I think the big thing. What do you think? Well, he is Welsh. Uh, yeah. Matt Ryan is Welsh, so that's why he's got an accent. Sure. What, what do you? Uh, what do you think of the idea of giving him a companion? Basically, it's sort of like that Doctor Who setup that he has. You know, this person that he's shepherding through that world. Yeah. They. I mean, I think it's a it's a it's a good idea if you're restructuring something for a TV show. He's always yeah. had a companion. You know, he's always had Chaz, who's sort of there. He's in the show too, Chaz. Yeah, but you know, maybe that that they'll the companion will sort of share some of that what what Chaz would have normally been doing. I think. Um, I mean, it looks a hell of a lot more spot on than that movie did. The movie actually wasn't that bad. I thought, you know, the only thing that I really that stuck stood out for me that I really didn't like because I was kind of I was like, wow, they're really actually doing it, and I thought there's no way this is going to last. But there was a bit where he basically more or less turns to camera and he has a moment of self doubt, like he mm-hmm. makes like a joke, like. And I was like, John Constantine would never do that. Like that was the that was for me the fatal flaw in it because mm-hmm. he's not self-referential and he's not going to self-doubt like that. Certainly not out loud. Yes, uh, but would John Constantine do it? John, who? John Constantine <laughs> wouldn't, but John I know, Constantine I know. might. I don't know. I, I the funny thing is, everybody writing the current DC version of Constantine grew up on the other version they all I've, you get the sense like they secretly wish they were doing that but they just have these notes and stories that they have to deal with um so that, i don't know it's weird it's a very strange it's i think it's a very strange character to bring to the mainstream like that i really i, I would be shocked if it lasted more than than six well, episodes they're, they're playing on the popularity of shows like grim and once upon a time and supernatural and these these you know there there's there's these the small niche of yeah. shows that fit that mold that are popular enough on network television. even like once upon a time yeah you know, and right. now network has the ability to sort of make a show that looks like that on in a, in a way that makes economical sense yeah. right. so uh, we'll see. it's i'm i'm gonna watch it really it's you know it's i don't, I don't i'm not i didn't watch it be like oh my god i can't believe they finally did it it isn't that but it's in, it's really interesting i think we're, I think we're all gonna check it out i just i, I think for, yeah, I I think for me I it's it's uh, it's one of the less enticing ones out mm-hmm. of the big crop of things coming this year you can look forward to Josh's uh, weekly recap podcast <laughs> no, no. every week on iFanboy. No. 
I just keep watching The Wire over again. That's <laughs> that's all I do. It's not a so bad thank you, Steve, and thank you, Jason, for writing in. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. Leave us a message at 888-FANBOYS-326-2697. Tell us where you're from, who you are, where you're from. Keep it around 30 seconds and uh, get your question on the show. Paul. Paul? Yeah. Paul, we got a podcast coming up. We do. We got a podcast coming up this weekend. We're going to check out X-Men Days of Future Past. Okay. And actually, it's in the past. If you're listening to this show, it's already come out. That's right. Show. But we so haven't seen it yet, so we don't know. We haven't seen it yet, but with the show, is what's happened is there's time travel. So you have heard the show, but we haven't done it yet. It's heavy. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's heavy. So listen to that. I'm checking out for. Uh, I'll be behind the this show on the feed. Yes. Or on the website. Also, I just wanted to give a quick plug for Sunday Conversations over on CBR. Did a really good one this week uh, with Jordy Belair. Talk about color. Found find out where the color purple comes from, which is kind of interesting. So that's but it was a, a novel. Red blue is adapted uh, by it Spielberg. Has to, it has to do with snails. Huh. But anyways, snails uh, mix red blue together to get purple. Sure. Um, so that, so that comes up. Uh, have you checked her? Have you checked any of these facts? You just letting her put them out there. It sounds yeah. right. What kind of fact checking do you on? Do you do on Sunday conversation? None. None whatsoever. You just let people blabber on about whatever. You just take it for the truth. I don't know. Well, why isn't it about comics talk? I just come up there and I want to read comic <laughs> talk and only comics talk. The website's comic book resources, right? It's I comic mean, book resources. That's comic correct. book resources, not stuff that isn't comic book resources. <laughs> it's in the title, Paul. It we is. actually do. I've, I actually have been talking a little bit more about some comic stuff lately. So, in so the, you've like gone against your original of this, premise of this column is not to talk about comics. It's almost like that's the whole point of it. Talk about whatever we want. Damn it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. In the meantime, so that's you can find that every Sunday at CBR, right, right there on the front page for Sunday Conversation. Also, head over to ifanboy.com uh, where you can find this show, all of our other shows, including the X-Men Days of Future Past show on the feed behind this one. You can comment on all those shows that iFanboy talk about this week's books. Find out all of our other podcasts, everything going on at ifanboy.com. And follow the action on twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy to find out what the pick of the week is for the show. And you can follow us all individually on Twitter at J.A. Flanagan, C.S. Kilpatrick, and Fuzzy Typewriter. And if you like us, I mean, like, like us, you can go over to iTunes where you could leave a rating or a review. Uh, as we have now passed the thousand mark for ratings, uh, we are at, we're currently at 10, uh, 10, 12, 1,012 yep. uh, ratings, and then ratings. an impressive 719 reviews. I like the um, latest review, uh, Glasses, Baldy, and Murder, She Wrote Guy. Robert, Robert, <laughs> Robert, 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 Robert. <laughs> Listen, Josh, I wanted to thank you for coming in this week and <laughs> sitting in for Jeff, who couldn't make it for personal reasons. And Don't be a stranger. Personal schedule. Yeah. Don't be a stranger. Really appreciate it. That's the sound of my teeth grinding together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I built this house. I'm Connor. I'm Paul. Let's go.